As a society, we have been watching movies for decades. While a lot has changed, such as where we watch them and how they're made, some things stay the same. The quality of special effects may be better, and characters might adapt to the times they're in, but at the end of the day, we can still rely on our favorite genres and themes for entertainment. Through good and bad theatrical releases and streaming services, movies are a work of art that make it fun to really think and dive into the subject matter at hand. So let's do it. Hi, I'm Maggie, and you're listening to Getting Geeky. Almost Famous, directed by Cameron Crowe, is a musical drama that follows the journey of a 15-year-old journalist who manages to find a story in an up-and-coming band with their own set of issues. After he's contacted by Rolling Stone magazine to write a story, William Miller has to negotiate with his mother, with the band, and with himself in order to figure out how to write the story of a lifetime. It gets ugly and frustrating, but he still follows the band until he has this story about Stillwater and the truth about who they really are. This movie received an 89% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. It runs for two hours and two minutes. So we all have expectations, right? Like we all have something that we're supposed to measure up to. Expectations can come from ourselves, from the goals that we have, from the things that we think we have to do with our lives. They can come from our family and the expectations that they bring on. Like if your parents want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, even society has expectations that dictate how professional you're supposed to be, how you are supposed to present yourself within society. It all comes down to having a place in the world or a role that you're supposed to fill. It comes down to rules and regulations, deadlines and integrity. And it's just all of these expectations that might not necessarily be reasonable. Like I just said, some of our expectations come from our family, specifically our parents, or in this movie, the mom, Elaine. She is extremely strict and she expects a lot from her kids. She wants them to live differently than other kids so that they can be better, so that they can be smarter. And it limits their diets. They celebrate Christmas in September because that's not when it's marketed. And it even comes down to the music that they listen to. Anita, the sister, actually walks out on their family at 18 because the mom was too strict and she just wanted to be herself. She really just explodes over a Simon and Garfunkel album because their mom was convinced that it was about sex and drugs and that it wasn't something that her kids would be listening to because it wasn't proper. And once she's an adult, she just walks out and doesn't want to come back because she doesn't want to go back to those expectations and she wants to create her own identity. Her younger brother, William, who is the main character of this movie, I mean, talk about expectations with this kid. He's two years ahead in school because he went into first grade at five years old and then skipped fifth grade. And at 11 years old, he was talking about being a lawyer. And Anita kind of turns around to look at him in the car one day and really questions like, is it you that wants to be a lawyer or is it their mom that wants him to be a lawyer? And it's just really interesting because he is convinced at 11 years old that he is going to be a lawyer. That is a tough expectation for an 11-year-old to meet. 
The next biggest part of this movie was definitely the compromise part of it. Because even though at 11 years old, William says he wants to be a lawyer, at 15, about to graduate high school, he's a journalist. He loves music and he writes for it in Cream Magazine. He ends up getting in touch with a rock critic who gives him some advice, such as don't make friends, don't let the rock stars buy you, don't let that crowd buy you. And then he gives him an assignment to review a Black Sabbath show, and he keeps getting doors slammed in his face, quite literally, until he manages to get in with the band Stillwater. Now, Stillwater considers journalists the enemy because journalists don't write them in a positive light. William has to convince them that he's not the enemy, convinces them that he appreciates their music so that they think he'll write them well. As he starts to follow their story, he gets a call from Rolling Stone magazine. They all think he's older, like graduated college older, and they convince him to go on the road with Stillwater to write this massive story that could potentially make the cover. His mom is extremely reluctant, makes him call her two times a day. He can't miss more than one test at school and he has to be home before graduation. And they have to compromise that throughout the course of the movie when he might be unable to get home because of various circumstances that were outside of his own control. But he was following the story for this magazine that might think that he's older, but they still give him a chance. What's even more compelling about that idea of compromise and how William is compromising everything. He's compromising his relationship with his mom, with himself, with traveling, with his education. But the one thing that he never compromises is his values. He is completely honest until the very end. And he is upfront with what he wants, that he just wants to interview this band and he wants to get the truth out of them. And his work is solid. He does a really good job of really sticking to the story through all of the insanity that they go through together. And he never compromises that just because the band says that, no, we don't want that in there. He still sticks to it even after they deny it, which I think is just incredible, especially for a 15-year-old kid who could be easily influenced. It all boils down to identity. Right off the bat, we realize that this band is a mess. They're always fighting, particularly the guitarist and the lead singer. They can't agree on anything. William is trying to get an interview from the guitarist, Russell, and the band only wants the best of the best to be told about them, and William takes notes the entire time. But Russell keeps avoiding being interviewed. It's almost always like it's an inconvenient time in some way or another. He's never alone, and there are constant interruptions the second he is alone. We are learning about them, not through their own words, but through their actions. The most fascinating identity in this entire movie is Penny Lane. Penny Lane isn't her real name, but she draws William in when he's trying to get in the door for the Black Sabbath review, and they both end up traveling with Stillwater. Penny says that she's traveling with a group called the Band-Aids, who are more than just groupies. They are people who focus on the music more than they focus on the men. 
Penny has created a life for herself that revolves around music. It might not necessarily be real, but she is the realest person in this movie. The identity that she chose for herself released all expectations, and then she twists other people's expectations on everything, actually. They don't have expectations for her, she doesn't have expectations for them. But then, even the smallest actions don't mean the same things that they would around other people. My favorite instance of this is sickness isn't typically associated with romance, unless it's in a wedding vow, in sickness and in health. But even then, it's kind of painted as like this rock bottom type of moment. But with her, it is. She was sick and dying and somehow they framed the shot romantically and they made her look incredibly beautiful. And it was heart-wrenching and incredible and I can't even explain how it just shattered all expectations of what beauty could look like. They do reveal her real name, I won't give it away because that's her secret to tell, but it really fits her. The expectations that live in a name like hers are monumental, and she just erases it. She inspires other people to be themselves, particularly William when he really starts chasing after the story, and he misses tests, and he misses his graduation to finish out the story. Music is actually a huge part of identity, and it's a huge part of culture as well. And that's something that this movie does really well, actually. Because not only is it about music, it's about this band that they're following, but it's about their own relationships with music and how it determines their identity. The mother choosing to not let her kids listen to mainstream music because of the improper imagery becomes a part of their identity. When Anita walks out to the song America by Simon and Garfunkel, that is very much showing that she wants to find herself and she wants to listen to the music that she wants to listen to. And then she leaves a suitcase full of records underneath William's bed for him to listen to along with a song recommendation. And that is how he finds his way to journalism and furthermore to Stillwater. Stillwater themselves as a band, how they work, how they interact with each other is a very interesting way to approach that as well because we're seeing how they work together as a team and how they don't work together as a team, but at the same time, still playing music and still producing. We see Penny Lane, who names herself after a song, who gets involved in music for more than just the guys. She gets involved with music for the music itself. And just working with that and how that all comes together and dictates who they become as people. It's just a beautiful take on all of it. Once William finishes the story, he has to get it back to Rolling Stone magazine, and they absolutely love it. They think that Stillwater is going to make the cover. So they start to run it through a fact checker, and this is where things start to get a little bit messy. From the get-go, Stillwater is extremely nervous to have a journalist around. They understand what a journalist does, that they are going to report everything that they see and hear, and they are going to do it probably not in the most positive light. So when this fact checker from Rolling Stone magazine, who wants to put them on the cover of said magazine, calls them to confirm the events of the story, they deny it because 
of their own personal appearances. They ruin lives over their own reputations because it's another expectation. They see themselves as betrayed by the enemy when really they betrayed this poor kid because he was just telling the truth. The truth is ugly for them. They hide their relationships. They lie about their own identities just because they want to put what they think is their best foot forward so that they present a certain way so that they can keep gaining fans and keep earning money because they are still up and coming and they can't risk falling in a negative light. Honesty is this whole thing. There's expectations and there's reality. The truth is ugly and it's unflattering. The band tried to control the narrative by controlling when and where they were interviewed, but they ultimately failed. Their feelings only come through in high-stress situations, like when they almost die, or when something happens and an obvious inequality comes to light and they just explode. There was really only one truly peaceful moment of honesty with the entire band in this movie, and it was the tiny dancer scene, when all of them are singing freely and laughing and smiling, and it's so genuine that you are going to want to sing with them. But they don't talk, they're just in the moment. Finally, the music shuts off. There's no backtrack, there's no expectation, and there is no curtain to hide behind. Once it's quiet, no speakers booming, no crowds roaring for them. They're finally able to listen and hear the real thoughts of the band. Would I recommend this movie? Yeah, without a doubt in my mind, this movie is absolutely beautiful. The music, the message, the parts that will leave you on the edge of your seat are just so, so worth it. And what makes it better is that the movie is actually somewhat based on a true story. The writer and director Cameron Crowe was a teenage journalist himself and still writes for Rolling Stone to this day. You can find this movie to watch on Amazon Prime for free with commercials or on Pluto TV. Want to get involved? If you want to help me pick what could be next week's movie, Go ahead and fill out the Google form that's linked in the bio of both my Instagram at getting underscore geeky and my Twitter at getting underscore geek. Listen in the same time next week. See you later.